This is the Art of Darkness podcast with Kevin Kautzman and Brad Kelly. We're a couple of very online writers interested in the dark side of what drives creative people to create against all odds. This show is about art and the people who make it, what it costs them, and what it takes to bring something unique and impactful into the world. Each episode, we excavate the life and work of an artist you might think you know. Don't worry, they're all safely dead. On every episode, we try and find out just what the hell was wrong with them and how they worked through their darkness to create something that lives on after them and continues to move culture. Find us online at artofdarkpod.com and on Twitter at artofdarkpod. We're back with the lowest effort podcast in Christendom, Art of Darkness. Uh, I'm Kevin Couchman with my co-host Brad Kelly, and yeah, um, we are, are. This is yeah, low effort. Yeah, we're live. Are we recording? Yeah, are we. <laughs> yeah, we're. I hope so. <laughs> well, yeah. So we're. This is going to be a very special episode uh, because we, we we sort of already done this with Michael Backinson yeah. a few months ago, but now it really formally is. The end of <laughs> Art of Darkness, year one, mm-hmm. or or maybe we call it year zero. Year zero. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Right. We've been calling it year one. Yeah. We'll see I if think... we'll see if Vlad, Vladimir Putin decides if it's year zero. <laughs> <laughs> right. We may be we may be all living in a world of darkness any, any day now. Uh, but what are we going to do with this episode, Brad? This is an idea you and I came together. What are we going to talk? Yeah, about? I mean, I think we talk about. Uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit about some past episodes. We don't need to rehash too much of that, though. Though maybe we can kind of talk some highlights or whatever. Um, I pulled the Twitter crowd and got a handful of questions there. Telegram crowd, a handful of questions there. So I thought those are maybe things we could, yeah. could kind of dig into at some point. Sure. Um, the other thing, I guess, is uh, you know, I, we'll talk a little bit about kind of where we're going because we've got, believe it or not, I think we've got the next four months or so kind of planned. Um, I am. I'm so excited to share that. So maybe yeah. the idea is that this episode is going to serve for somebody who's new to the show and has yeah. all this incredible high effort content right. that they want to go back over and see, this is a, a kind of an inside joke now, like yeah. Brad Knight, we are not in the business of low effort potting with this show. Right. right. We are putting in the hours to bring you three-hour episode, uh, you know, long uh, shows about Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. And the the prep time is probably, for that, is probably mm, three, four hours for every hour of content that we put oh, in. Maybe yeah. more, yeah. probably yeah. more. Yeah. So, yeah, but this episode is going to be a little low effort because we're just <laughs> going to talk about what we've done in the last year. Yeah. And we hope yeah. that's okay. I also, you know, I think it could, it could serve as a, again, as a primer for somebody who is just getting into what we're doing, who wants to know about the show, where it came from, and uh, I guess the format of it. And uh, allow me to volunteer that mm-hmm. I think in a, in a stupor, in a COVID fog I messaged you the idea for this show one night yes. and we both, we both agreed that it would be a good vessel for us to kind of explore some questions mm-hmm. that we have about art and the nature of artists, because of course we are both, we're both writers. Yes. Uh, you yeah. have a novel house mm-hmm. of sleep 
Uh, people can find you at, at Brad Kelly uh, on Twitter. We spend yeah. a lot of time on the bird website. We're yeah, also, yeah. everything is at art of dark pod. Right. Uh, and you mentioned we have a little telegram group going. We want to grow that. We're trying to engage with the audience here and have a good time with it. And then of mm -hmm. course I'm, I'm a playwright and uh, so a writer uh, for the stage and I'm starting a theater company here in St. Paul, Minnesota. We're going to be doing a lot of online stuff too. And that's uh, badmouthtc. So it's badmouthtc.com. So it's Badmouth Theater Company. Yeah, really you guys excited just about released that. Your, you just released your, your schedule, right? Yeah, yeah. Or we're doing upcoming, uh, upcoming programming. We're doing five readings uh, here in St. Paul, Minnesota, but they're also Very going cool. to be online. And every playwright, well, the first playwright is me. <laughs> but this was, I, I was actually pushing back a little bit, but my, my collaborators were like, no, we're, we're doing this theater company. Let's do your play. Let's start with that. Okay, fine. Makes but sense. we're going to yep. do... For, for all five of the playwrights, we're going to do an interview that gets released online and we're going cool. to do the reading and then re release the reading online. So Very I cool. figured, you know, this day and age, people are all over the world and if they want to hear a reading, they can just plug in and listen to it like you would a a very high effort podcast. Right, right. Well, uh, and hopefully you guys get crowds. I mean, that's 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 yeah. what's missing in the pandemic and, and that's, you know, that's what you want. That's why you get in, got into that world. Yeah, the, right? readings, so. the reading series is called Live and Unlocked. So All right. We are, we are nice. going after that idea that this is you're not staring at a screen yeah. and uh, we will not be locked down any longer. Right. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. yeah. Well, and of course, we're, we're also heard on, on podcast radio UK uh, mm -hmm. for people over in the, the old country. We probably yeah. need to circle back to them, too, and throw some more episodes. Yeah, we do. We've, yeah. We've, we've got uh, we've built up the archive, I think, since the last uh, download last download of, uh, of episodes that we've sent their way. Oh um, man, you're yeah. going to make me do more work. I want this, <laughs> this episode should be a little bit of a behind the scenes. I don't want it to be a, it's not going to be a full blown production no, meeting, no. but you might hear me tapping my, my keyboard, <laughs> which I try to avoid during the episodes. Yeah. Even what I do and for the theater of the mind, for people who really are curious about how the sausage gets made, uh, <laughs> which is way too appropriate for this show somehow, uh, is I actually, I put my keyboard, and maybe there's a better way to do this, there probably is, I put my keyboard up on a couple of pillows during the mm -hmm. show, mm -hmm. and I kind of tippy-tap it, because I don't, yeah. I don't want to hear the keyboard tapping in the yeah. background. Yeah, that sounds really cozy. Sounds like you're cozy yeah. maxing over there. Oh. <laughs> my <laughs> keyboard is cozy maxing yeah we're a cozy max effort cozy max effort <laughs> pod uh for for people who like books and things well and what we do too is we have our core episodes and i think we've done a full 20 of these uh i think t mf doom i think was episode 21 of episode the, of 21 the, that's an, yeah. an auspicious number blackjack we hit it it uh, is it, and it mm. is if, if you're doing a weekly again at, for an effort pod that's three hours long that takes you know five times that to put together mm -hmm. 21 is substantial it really yeah. is and, and the fun thing about these episodes is that, is that they're evergreen because none of these these figures are gonna spring back to life except for maybe mf doom he yeah, may he might, all he the, might come back <laughs> but if, if oscar wilde came back that would be much more surprising than yeah, MF right doom. <laughs> yeah i think like that you want to call in like uh that brad pitt from world war z like you gotta get if that if Oscar Wilde comes back, we're if the on, nuclear we're fall, fallout kind of waves west to Paris, <laughs> yeah. Oscar Oscar Wilde might come back to uh, really complain about the wallpaper right. now. 
Can you can you imagine <laughs> zombie oh, Oscar yeah. Wilde walking through <laughs> modern Paris? <laughs> uh, somebody wittier than than I could mm. do that as a very nice web comic of some sort. Yeah, indeed. And and again, this is free content, but you can support us. <laughs> Where else do you get this idea of uh, Vladimir Putin bringing Oscar <laughs> yeah. Wilde back to life to to be his decorator? Yeah, uh, we do. We do. Yeah. We uh, you can support us on Patreon, uh, patreoncom Pod, I believe, mm-hmm. right? Um, yep. And we do. Yeah. And and we. It's not just you do get something. So we do a bonus episode after every episode. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's a main episode, we gen- generally dig up the juiciest tidbit from our research, the darkest mm. anecdote, the most unexpected event in this person's life or connection or something like that. Um, and it's, it's, it's well worth it. It's an extra 20 or 30 minutes. Um, we go, it's a little bit less scripted. It's a little bit more, it's somewhere between the full on effort pod and this, I would say that bonus <laughs> content. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. And they're, they're fun. <laughs> There's a couple of my favorite moments are of the art of darkness are mm. from the, from the bonus content. So I like well effort pod, it. but I think struggle pod would be pretty <laughs> struggle cool. Pod. Sometimes we're on the struggle pod. We do our best. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, we mm-hmm. should, we, this is kind of, cause Kevin, you and I have, we had a, we used to have a podcast, back in the day called righteous yammer yes and we did that a bit and i think we had a lot of fun and we had some guests and it was cool um and then i think this is more a little bit more our milieu perhaps is is trying to put something together that's a little more focused yeah we found our uh, you know an angle here that we can use to again to be a vessel for some of the things that we want to talk about but Mm -hmm. but focus on learning and learning about Mm -hmm. these figures and this is something i wanted to segue into which is on every core episode and really on on the darkroom episodes too where we talk after the fact after the principal recording typically with a guest mm-hmm. we like to lead with a question and the question is always uh for the person who is being i guess taught about the subject in question uh that person is asked what do you know about so and so so kevin mm-hmm. what do you know about mf doom brad what do you know about stanley kubrick yeah. i i like that as a really I, I just think it works because it sort of mm. sets the audience up for for what is the one person bringing to the table while the other person is playing the role of the graduate school professor or whatever it is. Right. And in that spirit, for this episode, I want to ask you, Brad, Uh-oh. having done year zero, having gone <laughs> through mm-hmm. whatever this was for our first year of this show, what do you now know about the practice of creation as mm. it relates to personal darkness ah, that you didn't no, know before. That's, mm. that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, uh, I think, uh, well, yeah, there's, I think there's a couple of, cause we've, we've seen different kinds of darkness on the episode. We've seen um, things that were more sort of uh, an exterior event that kind of, you know, maybe happened young to an artist and impacted their entire life. We saw that with like Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash's brother dies when he's very young and it haunts him forever. There's a lot of, and this is to be expected, there's a lot of dead parents, dead siblings, Mm -hmm. a sudden death of someone in the family that creates this this kind of psychic wound. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And so I think think that's one thing. I think art is... um, you know, if you want to put it in like rational terms, like why do people create art? Um, they're trying to solve a problem, 
but that problem is some kind of calling it a problem makes it sound like you can just bust out a spreadsheet it's a it's a psychic existential problem it's a it's a protest or a wrestling with the dark the dark qualities of reality itself right, right? not only in the case of johnny cash which was a very fine episode brad kudos yeah, we got a lot thanks. of good feedback on that one yeah yeah uh, and of course that johnny cash falls into the category of big air we yeah. like to call those yeah. episodes uh, big air it's yes. not in no possible way is this an obscure figure everybody you, knows you know what's you know what's yeah, funny yeah. about that though i think it's a good episode it's like our least listened to episode how is that po- you know what it probably is is that they <laughs> the biopic is probably satisfying enough they have the yep. music there's a lot of Jun- uh, johnny cash right. out there so maybe right. this is and this is quite annoying maybe they think they don't need our take on the man uh, in black and could be but that's the whole point of this show yeah. is that i guarantee unless you are a cash head a total yeah. cash fiend i guarantee there's some stuff in that episode that you do did not know about because there was stuff that oh, i did sure. not know about oh for and, sure uh, yeah the no we got in the cave and everything mm-hmm. yeah no we got into we got into some business and i think really really i don't want to say we figured him out completely because i never met the man but i think i think we we created a more three-dimensional person there than 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 most people will have in their heads for who johnny cash was but absolutely see, back to your question so that's the one thing so it's this this, this sort of wrestling with the na- nature of reality and and having to deal with that sort of some kind of harsh lesson but then there's also uh individuals like virginia wolf like william s burroughs like um even annika vaughn maybe though some of that was kind of exterior impressed upon her um who the easiest analogy or metaphor to make is that they have demons that have to be confronted and dealt with and, oh, and dude. or mm-hmm. or lost to in the case of some of them you know i think virginia wolf ended up succumbing to her demons um mm-hmm. and and maybe burroughs did too you know or maybe he found a working relationship with them um uh and i don't I know am- I don't know a better I, you know, way to say so it. so interesting. Demons, no, I think honestly. that's very articulate. And yeah. I am definitely on the corner of Twitter that is, you know, demons are real pilled. Mm-hmm. But too. I think as we, as we go through the world, and what, whether you understand it as a, a very, very strong metaphor or quite literally that there are these forces lingering at the edge of our perception that are manipulating Justin Trudeau to right. shut down bank accounts and right. you know make right. the world extremely dark. Let's not get too political here, but right. Right. Uh, yeah, there's, there, there's this force. Um, I was thinking just about the, the business with Johnny Cash and the death in the family and everything uh, about how what's so often overlooked about this and which is unspoken because it falls into the realm of, of, of the spiritual and of the religious, uh, is that when you lose someone, whether you're of age or you're a child, the, the re- how to say this, the recounting of it tends to focus on the, how, how the loss happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, was it Kavan's father who jumped Jump, off a boat? Jumped off a boat. Suicide? Yeah. Yeah. How tragic. Uh, Johnny Cash, this horrible accident. What's never really described uh, is the moment where Johnny Cash is eight years old, yeah. 10 years old, 12 years old, and 
ruminating on the loss of his brother. Right. And every day it's there and every day it's an ache. And then you pick up that guitar. Right. And, and, and in the case of Annika Vaughn, the guilt possibly when a parent commits suicide, the, I mean, how, how horrific and how morbid Right. The word is existential. It's a bit of a, a two cent word now. And, and it is. Yeah, we refer, really we use it to refer to everything. But but in this case, it, it applies. It really is. Yeah. And for a child to have to think about their parent uh, or a sibling quite, <laughs> quite mm-hmm. literally entering the void mm-hmm. and and then you lay on all of the cultural apparatus that tells this young person what it means that that young person typically has to wrestle with things a little more intently than someone who maybe loses a pet right, <laughs> or, right, uh, right. or a grandparent. It's, it's sure. this disruption. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that is something that we notice. And um, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, it's, it's interesting too. You make, makes me realize, you know, if you go back to the sort of hero's journey, the Joseph Campbell stuff, um, one of the, hallmarks of a a um, kind of classically mythological tale in the hero's journey cycle is that you are missing one or both parents mm. they have died like pre before your memory or something mm-hmm. like that and, mm-hmm. and I've never quite I've always understood that that was there and it sort of resonated but I've never quite understood exactly why and it might actually be tied into something that we're seeing here it's like this this if you punch a big hole in your development the way it's supposed to go, then maybe the only way to deal with that is to go on some quote-unquote adventure. And for a lot of us, for somebody who is, you know, sort of uh, right-brained and a little bookish, that adventure might be art. Well, art is also a thing that I think society even though it's horrifically broken and imperfect yeah. does tend to cultivate in somebody who has that, that pain, it's almost yeah. indulged a little more, uh, mm-hmm. the creativity and the, the angst in, or like the expression of that in people who, who've had that, had that experience of loss. This is something very interesting because I don't indulge in this very much, but obviously I lost my father when I was very mm-hmm. young. This comes up on the show. It's germane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so I've noticed that motif as well. I think that historically it was much more common uh, than than it might be now. Oh well, yeah, and right. life expectancies were shorter and and all that. Yeah. yeah, things were things were dangerous and rough. Mm-hmm. And I think the numbers are actually quite surprising because we're we we do live in a very very strong culture that um, denies death. We want to yeah. just deny the existence of it and forget it. Everybody's going to live to be 72.3 years old. And yeah. if it doesn't happen, let's just get, move on as quickly right. from it as we possibly can. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Which is extremely unhealthy because the, the flip side of that coin is that you end up denying life. Uh, right. I think we've seen a lot of this because it is. It's just part of the whole life cycle. But mm-hmm. I, I have thought about it an awful lot. The numbers are, are kind of surprising. There are, it's, it's, I can't remember the statistic exactly, and uh, I'm not going to tap my keyboard and look. I don't have my pillow for my keyboard right now. <laughs> uh, but it's something like one in seven children uh, will lose a parent before they come of age. It's, oh, really? 
Yeah, something like that. It's a lot. Yeah. The, high, the numbers a lot. It might not be that high. You know what I am going to? Well, I'll, yeah. I'll spare you. But I remember looking it up and it was higher than you'd think. Hmm. And I think that I think that this the art that we make around this uh, is is a wrestling with that immediate. The fact that that happens to so many people is very, very yeah. important to us as a society because we have to reintegrate. The child has to sort of reintegrate themselves into the world without the guidance of both the, the parents sort of yeah. on the scene. Now, let me, let me ask you, uh, what do you think it stands in for metaphorically? See, because that's, that's the, very the, the, the parent, the parent being, yeah. yeah. Is, it, is, it, is it an effort to sort of prepare everyone for the fact that that is inevitable? Or is there mm. a more, I think there's personally, I think there's a more mystical quality to it. I think there's I, almost. I, a, I think there's a mystical yeah. quality. I think you have to, um, I think you have to think about the way that we have, um, many, many cultures have translated you know, God into a father or God into a mother right. or the earth into a mother. And then you think about losing, losing your mother or your father at a very young developmental age where maybe you haven't actually separated those two things. You haven't separated your father from God. You haven't separated your mother from earth right. or whatever. Well, and so and now you know, you're dealing with that. Go ahead. Jung would say they stand in for the, the anima and the animus. Right. They're, right. They are mm-hmm. in the stories. They're, See, this is part of the beauty of all these great, uh, these great stories, and then these this great art. Mm-hmm. And this might get into one of the things that I um, that I've learned from this past year, or that that I've remembered through working on this with you. It's that the art it's always open ended. Mm-hmm. It can be interpreted interpreted a million different ways. Yeah. So you have the folk tale, uh, and the kid who's who's lost a parent is hearing it as literally like, "Wow, how do I get through this?" And the child who hasn't is learning all sorts of other lessons and it's mm-hmm. operating on seven different levels. Yeah. Uh, well, that's what, yeah. yeah. That's what makes a piece of art good. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it particularly, well, maybe I'm biased. I was going to say particularly literature in the, in the sort of the narrative arts. <laughs> it might be a tiny, yeah, yeah, but that's all right. No, you're right. Um, well, I mean, music to me is the highest art mm. personally. Um, but but in terms of this layering of 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 sort of layering of meaning, it seems like that's going on a little bit more in the narrative arts, but maybe not. Well, I, I think that all art is narrative. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. You, you would be hard pressed. Even a painting, you're walking mm-hmm. up. Even a, a painting of just a white canvas, it's it's an event that happens. Yeah, you're in the museum. You walk up to it. So yeah, all art is narrative for sure. For sure. Um, yeah. I think that that's so interesting. We really don't pause to to think about Jung and Campbell and Freud. We haven't yet done that, no. but I think I think we're going to. Those are those are all going to be, I think, really interesting. Oh subjects yeah, we've got to gotta do we got to do Jung. I mean, oh without for a doubt, sure. yeah, he's he's one of the most interesting figures of the 20th century, in my opinion. Um, and he gets this he gets dismissed now, and and honestly. You know, we're not going to turn this into an episode about Jung, but I see a lot of dismissal um, of him, and I think most of that comes from not actually understanding what he was doing or what what he said or what he was up to. Now, this isn't to claim that I fully understand it by any means. I, I have no, I've, I've read a fair amount of it, thought about it a fair amount, but um, that's what it sort of seems like. It's sort of you'll see dismissals like, "Well, he's just this like wild-eyed mystic." 
oh, so that means he's wrong? Like, how, what, <laughs> you know, how, do you, how are you making this connection from the fact that he's a wild-eyed mystic to that he is wrong somehow? Because he may have just gone further than you did, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to say. So anyway, Jung, yeah, we will, do, we will get to that. Is on the I think docket. he has is a he- lot to say. Is he on the docket for this year? Maybe let's uh, let's take a few minutes, kind of here in the middle of this Ooh, one, to yeah, talk about sure. what's so. What's coming? What do we have coming up in yep. uh, the second year of of Art of Darkness? Yeah, I know we've so got right, some really cool stuff. Right now, we've got planned um, an H uh, an episode on H.P. Lovecraft with uh, the great Ben Thomas, publisher and writer Ben Thomas. Um, he's going to come on and help us out with that. Lovecraft, Lovecraft is going to be so good. And oh, dude, it is I, screwing I can't with my head so hard. Okay, I I tweeted okay. the other day. I tweeted the other day, like I've gone and done it. I now believe in the old ones, right? Like, oh, how did I miss that tweet <laughs> or something like oh, that? My so, friend, that, yeah, that is another thing that I've learned from this, uh, yeah. from doing this show. About I think about the nature of art mm-hmm. and and these artists is that. It is a kind of a a spellcraft, mm-hmm. and if you get into in the in the sense that it it warps your mind. I mean, if you engage with somebody's art on the level that's required to do the work that we're doing for this show, mm-hmm. it does start to come over you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, doing the suicides, and I've said I've said this before on the show. When I'm done and the episode <laughs> is done, it's yeah. a, it's a bit of a relief. I go, yeah. okay, we got through it. Yeah. <laughs> Every yeah, episode yeah, those... ends with them dying, but. Right. You right. have to wrestle with different different qualities. If somebody gets yeah. hit by a bus, it's a certain thing. If yeah. somebody walks into a river, <laughs> yeah, that's a diff- that's a different whoa, thing, right? Yeah, doggy. yeah. All of this led to that moment. Yeah. yeah, and we don't make judgments about mental health or mental illness on this show. We try not to um, pathologize our figures. Yeah, right. I, I, you know, I'm not trying to. You know, yeah. No. Oh, and we don't look down. I mean, I don't look down on anything that any of these people did, really. I mean, I, I can grant that, you know, they may have made mistakes or they didn't warrant on their best behavior. But, like, we pick people that we respect to do, mm. you know. As, as artists. I, right. I definitely, when I talk about the show, I always yeah. talk about Brando and how, <laughs> right, right. like, oh, truly horrific I, wa- I was, or yeah. horrified, horrified. Uh, rather, mm-hmm. I was by Brando. Brando he's a monstrous person, yeah. Man. Really, really. And like and yeah. also the if he was standing right here, I definitely wouldn't say it to his face. <laughs> like kind of you have to respect the monster that Brandon mm-hmm. was somehow. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Yeah, he was one where whoa, I, I felt like I needed to take a long shower after right, after that. Right, episode. but but see, this is the then and then I got a question for you. But like, this is the thing. This is the thing about this. What we're trying to do on this show is you don't get Brando without a person like that. You don't get to have brand. You don't get to have the performances of Marlon Brando by a guy who does everything that he's supposed to do all the time. You just don't think the entire culture has, has been wrestling with over the past decade or so. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And, and I it's, can, I yeah. am. Yeah. I am. So, so maybe Brando isn't a mm-hmm. transphobe, but he's a misogynist or whatever. Right. Right. But, yeah. I, I'm <clears throat> sympathetic to the argument that, we do need to uh, do away with the idea that artists should have special license to behave badly. Mm-hmm. I'm not, this show isn't making some radical proposition that we should let monsters like Brando traipse over yeah. all norms and, and social values because it, it, 
I think pretty clearly you could make the case that it, it wasn't very good for his own family. I mean, he was no. leaving a, a wake of, of sort of terror, but yeah. he also left this outstanding work. So there's a balance that I think we can mm. strike between uh, we can never allow anyone to misbehave ever again, ever, and mm. letting, letting Kubrick uh, abuse Shelley Duvall on the set of The Shining. Yeah, and, it, it, and, and yeah, I don't know exactly where that balance point is right it's Mm. it's tricky it's 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 there's a there is there is some benefit culturally and artistically to letting giving giving people who are geniuses a long leash i think yeah i I don't know but i don't know how long that leash should be (laughs) i think it it boils down to we're not cultural i'm not making a decision for the culture i would just say i think like so many things it comes down to uh individuals freely associating and agreeing to make the work together even shelly duvall after that experience on the shining said she was a better actor for it and it was torturous to go through but she in the end was glad that it happened right tricky tricky right. because where where is the line but that's that's what artists do you're gonna right. push that line you're gonna try to figure out where that boundary is how could how could you say that burroughs didn't do that in his own in his work and then in his life uh right. and right. didn't we start with burroughs we <laughs> did we started <laughs> with burroughs yeah yeah we're gonna man, hit, oh we're gonna hit we're gonna actually touch there's a curious uh there's a curious H.P. Lovecraft, William S. Burroughs connection that I was not aware of that I just found out about the other day. Ooh. So we're going to be touching on that too. Okay. Um, but yeah, we were actually, we were talking about uh, further episodes we've got going on. We've got uh, Michael Backinson's coming on and you and Michael Backinson are going to talk about the Chelsea Hotel. Yes, I have the books for, for the Chelsea Hotel episode this, and I'm really excited. I've told this, people about this and they're like, yeah. whoa, wow, how are you going to do that in one episode? And I'll do my best. We'll, we'll figure it out. And, and Mackinson's good. He's fun yeah, to have on. He's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. And that by nature, <clears throat> by nature, that'll probably end up being a slightly scattershot just because there are all these people who live there, but it's not necessarily that their stories all kind of go together, right? You know, there's... Right. Well, that's yeah. the... This is the first episode we're doing about an object or a place. <laughs> right, right, We're right. trying uh, something a little different yeah. with the show. Yeah. It should be a lot be cool. of fun. Yeah, I'm excited about yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, after that, let's see, we've got uh, John, uh, an episode with John Ash about John Ashbery, the poet, um, with Jason Gallagher. Um, who else are we doing? You've got you've got a couple episodes coming up. What are you got coming up in the next? Yeah, I have to here? look at the calendar again. I I want to think about who I want to do in addition to uh, the Chelsea Hotel and mm-hmm. uh, who I yeah I need to look yeah. again. But I also yeah. wanted to talk about like what I what I might be excited to do and what what might come up while we're while we're rapping about it. Do we have yeah. a do we have a PK Dick episode scheduled? Um, there. Well, should I give should I give it away? <laughs> yeah, do it. Do Aldous it. Give it Asterion away. is coming on probably June, maybe more likely July, and we're going to talk All about right. K. Dick, great, the okay. great Aldous Asterion. Uh, yes, will be yes. very helpful for that episode because we're going to get weird with it. I we want to do a Julia Child episode. Yep, with my better half. So that's coming up. That should be a lot of fun because that that's going to be an interesting one for me because that isn't anything that I've thought too much about. Yeah, and, and, and well, hmm. this is what's kind of fun about having the ones where the where um, where guests come up, where we have guests on. Um, I didn't know much about Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, um, mm-hmm. and I became 
just fascinated with them. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it right. kind of well, works that, out. Yeah, and that's this is a fun one because this is how we stretch, right? Right. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm jazzed about doing that. That's what I have on deck. So I mean, I what what needs to happen now is that I have to start thinking beyond that into what's going to yeah. come up. I think we have to do Bukowski. We will have to do Bukowski at, at, at some, some juncture. Point. I think, yeah. and, and part of the thing too is we think about what are episodes that make sense to do with a guest? What are episodes that you know might be better for just the two of us? Mm. Bukowski strikes me as an episode probably just the two of us. I'm just going on <laughs> intuition here. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. just the two of us. Yeah, um, they, yeah I feel like yeah. that's right. Hmm. Yeah, but yeah. like we had we had Joyce on. We had to do a spillover episode on Joyce, basically, because mm-hmm. there's just so much there. And, and that was good to have a guest because it was a lot of stuff to to wrestle with. It's a long life, and uh, you know a lot of things happened. Um, uh, other things we got coming up. Um, uh, Hagulian is going to come back and help us out with an episode on uh, Robert Aikman. For people who don't know, Robert Aikman was a a great, uh, mostly short story writer, wrote a great book of short stories called Compulsory Games, Um, arguably a weird fiction writer, but sort of in his own genre, I would say. So that Mm. should be pretty interesting. Um, Kind of late modernism, um, I suppose you might call it. Um, And then the only other episode I've got planned for this year, though there will be more, is... um, uh, Hieronymus Bosch. Yeah. We're going to talk Hieronymus that Bosch. That is going to be fascinating. Yeah. So I've dug well, deep onto mm-hmm. that one and I, oof, I've i learned so much. I've had a Hieronymus Bosch Garden of Earthly Delights hanging in my room. I'm looking at it right now for eight years, 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels, after the reading I've done on Bosch, it feels weird being in the same room with it now. Mm. <laughs> so, so that I would cool. like to do. Uh, I would like to do Rothko at some oh, yeah. juncture. Yeah, I think it would be good for us to to do Young this year yeah. if we can. Possibly Joseph Campbell. Yeah. Um, what's Jung the name is of going to be big? Young is. Mm-hmm. You and it, you know again we're kind of talking behind the curtains. Is is you got it? We think about. <clears throat> we think about the 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 value proposition of the show is that you're going to learn about the biography of this person that's kind of where we focus but you can't do the biography of an artist or a thinker or something without delving into their work so then the question is where do you start and stop with the work and the biography right so someone like jung the work is voluminous <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's what's intimidating to me about doing a jung episode is right I don't want to present myself as some expert on Jungian thought because I'm not, and I won't be, mm. you know what I mean? And, but it's worth doing because the biography is all there and is interesting in and of itself. So uh, yeah, that's going to be a cool, that's going to be a cool episode, but it's one that I'm quite intimidated by. Do we ever declare ourselves to be experts on any no. subject? I don't <laughs> no. think we do. No, we don't. Well, uh, not by any means. That would be yeah. a different show. And there yeah. are shows that will do entire seasons on one figure. And even then, I I don't know that a lot of these podcasters are proclaiming to be experts. No. No. Yeah, no. no. yeah we're certainly not experts. And we're not doing what you might call um, original biographical work. Like original mm. biographical work would be you go and you interview people that knew them. You go mm. and you read a lot of um, 
you know, you, you go and read a lot of primary materials. You dig into yeah. archives and right, dig up stuff right. people haven't really come across. We're not doing that. We're kind of going with what's readily available for mm-hmm. the, the typical person to be able to pick up and find. And, and, and yeah. we're curating it, putting it together in a, in a narrative you can listen to in, in a couple of hours. Yeah, that really is the the premise of the show. And yeah. uh, to keep it to keep it fun, even as we right. stare into the, the horror of uh, yeah, well, of, of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, okay, so this is this is kind of one thing. Um, so I had some questions that came through on Twitter. Maybe we can kind of think. Yeah, about let's hit. Uh, you know, and I think for the after dark episode for this uh, banger that we're knocking yeah. out here is yeah. <laughs> all we do is bangers. That's it's another true. thing about our, that's our, rule our, number that's one. All we do rule number one. Uh, <laughs> I I think that um, we should talk about that Burroughs Lovecraft Lovecraft connection. Hint, oh, hint we can do that a little more I, for yeah. the after dark. Oh, mm-hmm. it's mess because it's messing with my head, dude. It's unsettling. So, okay. Uh, wow. Okay. Now I'm really curious. And yeah. I think too, on the after dark, we might get into a little more of like uh, show planning for the coming season. What are okay. some other episodes? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe we'll, we'll get our notebook out and start to write down just who we think we're, we're going to tackle as we go. I into like that. Yeah. Year. I like that. Yeah, That's cool. cool. Mm-hmm. Um, one is, which I think is an interesting question is how has, has um, this comes from Michael on Twitter, who is a, a fan of the show and the, a guy I've started to engage with a lot. He seems like a really cool dude. Um, How has doing this podcast influenced your own creative processes? I'll throw that to you and I will also try to answer. Uh, And I can, I can say that this is a great question because it, uh, the answer is something I was thinking about earlier on the episode that I wanted to share. So it's nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing I've learned about art and the nature of these artists that we, that we deal with on the show is how tenacious they are, I think without exception, uh, mm-hmm. the audacity they have and the willingness simply to do it and mm-hmm. to not wait for permission to get permission and to yeah. go and get money and to go and get what they need. <laughs> and unsurprisingly, the greatest example so far is probably Stanley Kubrick. I would say so, yeah. Because his story is it's just completely bonkers, D student. Mm-hmm. And so in my own and there's also writing, some, sorry, mm-hmm. there's something yeah, yeah. about being a director that is like is more like being a entrepreneur or something than some of these other yeah. things, right? There's like you right. have to helm a ship to be a director. Yes. Whereas you don't right. necessarily have to do that to be a novelist. Yeah. Well, and they're they're creating a new business every single mm-hmm. time they right. launch a production. Yeah. And and so that was an insight uh, I had from Kubrick. And I'm happy that I did that episode, that we did that episode so early on, mm-hmm. because it, it did affect me to say, you know what, we're just going to start this theater company. We're just going right. to do it. And right. we're we're going to see maybe, maybe five people show up at the reading, but maybe we, maybe we produce a, you know, a digital version of it that then a hundred people hear. And yeah. one thing leads to another thing. I also really, in the case of that theater company, Badmouth theater company, badmouthtc.com uh, at badmouthtc. <laughs> <laughs> it's that I, I want to build much like art of darkness is a container now for, a lot of my reading habits now mm. come from the show. I kind of know what I have to be studying. It influences my like 
my YouTube watching. So instead of just watching True Detective season one again, which of course <laughs> I, I did doing. <laughs> technically it falls under the Lovecraft category. It does. Uh, yes, indeed. It's, I, I, I think it's the greatest cultural product to come out of the Lovecraft uh, oeuvre, if you it's will, but point. we can talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Hmm. Um, but it, it gets me kind of outside of the more normie tier stuff. Like suddenly I'm, I'm watching more obscure, older documentaries on Oscar Wilde. I'm watching mm-hmm. older, kind of weirder movies. There's something very edifying about that that feeds back into my own, my own work, my own writing, my thinking about my writing. And then again, I'd say the most major effect it's had on me uh, is just this idea, let's start this theater company because okay. the theater company will be a vessel for what it wants to do as a company, but also... I'm hoping to adapt my play moderation potentially into a screenplay. If we have a little theater company gathered here, you already have people who trust one another. Uh, I would I would never compare myself to Ingmar Bergman, but I think about Ingmar Bergman and the fact that he ran the state theater company there and just worked with the theater company on his theater and on his movies. Mm-hmm. And what a what a wonderful arrangement if you can set that up. So we may be right. moving towards something more... Very more cool. like that on a on a very small level, but you start somewhere. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How about you? How's it affected you? Yeah, I I would say there I would say some overlaps, and I'll kind of I was as you were talking, I kind of thought for a second about which episode jumps out to me the most when I'm thinking about this, and it's actually the William Faulkner episode, and mm. the reason for that is William Faulkner was sort of. Um, he was sort of a farce in his hometown, right? He's, he's, he's this postmaster generally, can't really hold down a job. He's not really doing anything particularly respectable to he most people. He can't even hold mind. down his liquor. Right, right, right. Yeah. And meanwhile, he's creating, you know, he's one of, he's on the Mount Rushmore of American literature and almost no one disagrees with that. Um, and then the hometown that, 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 you know, sort of laughed at him now has statues of him. Um, and, and not that artistically my goal is to have a statue of me. I'm not that egotistical. And, and it wasn't Faulkner's goal either. He wasn't like, one day they'll build a statue of me. But it's a, it's a landmark of some kind. Yeah, sure. Um, it means something. Yeah. And so to me, I think it meant, this is the, this is the challenge, one of the challenge with, with the arts. If you have a hit, you are a big, it, it's a big deal. It's significant. It matters. If you don't, then you're just somebody in the basement doing it making stuff and who cares <laughs> there's a little bit of that sense right and so what what the faulkner episode like convinced me of was like just focus on the work and who really cares like if if people think it's you know you tell people oh i'm a writer and they're they sort of that doesn't mean anything to them mm. who cares but the like, people you know who I mean? it it's, will possibly mean something to are out there. That's another business. Yeah, but they might not yeah. be the person mm. that you meet at the cocktail party or whatever. They might but, not even be yeah. alive right, right now. I mean, right. we've and yet to do uh, Emily, uh, Emily Dickinson. Dickinson. Yeah, we've yet to do her, the classic example. Sure. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's mm-hmm. that's been a big thing that I've kind of taken away from the show is just sort of like you have to decide whether you're doing this thing or not. And I already just made that decision. And so now you just try to do it the best you can and just accept whatever the consequences are of that and and be fine with them. Again, all of that I second with the caveat that you need to control 
these artists do seem to have some modicum of control over uh, not only their output, yeah. but how their output reaches the world. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not, not making... just waiting for a publisher to anoint them or a producer to give them the set of Spartacus. Yeah. They're, they're maneuvering themselves into the position. So they get on that. Set. Oh yeah. No, no, and, this is something mm-hmm. I've taken from the show too. My whole, the la- my project, my personal project for the last year is to forge imprimatur. Like if they're mm-hmm. not going to give it to me, <laughs> right. I'm well, just going to push. Would, they just call that building a platform. Like I have it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Building a platform that they have, they have words for this in publishing. Yes. We just never right. learned them because right. whatever. Right. 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 <laughs> Who right. needs it? Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but so I, I'm totally with you. I'm, I'm, that's, that's my grind now with the show, uh, the show being yes. part of it and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And of yeah. course you can, people can find your book house of sleep, wherever yeah. you find, find oh, books and Amazon Brad dot com. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. House of sleep. It's been really yeah. well reviewed. People seem mm-hmm. to dig it. It's weird. It's, you know, it's a psychological thriller. It's, 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 it's not weird. unlike anything else you're going to read. It, it, yeah, it does stand on its own. It definitely does. And, and for the people who like it, they seem to really like it. Um, and, you know, you can't make something for everybody, but I think it's quite good. And, and a lot sure. of people have gotten a lot out of it. So, And I got to plug my play. My play yeah. is about social media content moderators losing their minds at work. And it is a very, very dark comedy uh, about how social media is driving us insane. And uh, after writing it, I've accidentally become a moderator in a really, really busy chat room. So the next yeah, time I'm going to write how, about... This is hmm. how this stuff works. Yeah, next time you're going to work. I'm going to write about an international, an oversexed international playboy <laughs> with nothing but money and free time. <laughs> that's, my, that's my next subject. And, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, and it all just goes really well for him. It's like... <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's pretty amusing. Who asked that question? Because I want to thank them again. Um, that was... This was uh, uh, Myco, Myco, M-Y-C-O on Twitter. Oh. Myco, Rise, uh, Myco Rise of BTC. He's a Bitcoin and my, co- okay. my college guy. All right. Guy. All right. Cool. One of our... Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. Crypto. Let's go to the moon. Let's get yes. it. Awesome. Thanks yes. for the good question. That, that's a fun. Do, do yeah. we have any more? Yeah, there's another one um, from Arena. I don't know how to pr- pronounce her last name. Arena Pumises, Pumises, Pumises. Okay. Anyway, right. um, she's somebody I've interacted with quite a bit. She's she's brilliant. Uh, one question she has, she had a couple, but the one that I like the most is, um, to what extent does the biographical focus of this project constrain your reading of the art? Oh. Right, because uh, there are many mm-hmm. schools of, you know, right. thinking about the literature episodes we do. There's many schools of literary criticism. What we do, because of the nature of the show, because of how we've kind of set this up, we tend towards sort of a biographical criticism. But, but, but it's not the only way to go about it, right? That, you know, there's formalism That's and a, new criticism and Marxist. There's very sure, many lenses sure. to apply. And we tend, I don't even know if this is my natural tendency. It's just kind of how the show forces us to do it by its very nature are we missing something are we, you we know? this is that's a very interesting question i don't yeah. think that we have done an episode about anybody whose work we don't admire that's true and yeah. there's time for that yeah uh, yeah I, I think that our goal with the show my one of my unspoken goals with the show is to bring people an introduction to an artist an interesting artist 
who people have, may not have heard of or may have heard of and certainly have heard of, but don't know finally that much about. Right. You have right. the outright enigmas like Kubrick. You have yeah. the, the Brandos where there's just kind of a shape of like, well, he was difficult, but what, it, what does that really mean? So in, in the reading, I'm, I'm kind of thinking of it all as a whole. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm not taking what is written about them as its own, how, how to say this? It's all part of the project for Art of Darkness. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely not reading their work for pleasure when I'm doing this. So for, for example, Sarah Kane, I did approach the reading of her plays from a different angle than I normally would if I was just looking for inspiration for one of my, my own plays yeah. or even reading for pleasure. Although I, I think I'm past the phase of wanting to read Sarah Kane for, <laughs> for, for fun. <laughs> if, if you understand my meaning. Yes. But reading, yes. reading one of Sarah Kane's plays to do, to do a, a production, let's say here in Minnesota or, or even a reading would be a vastly different approach to reading it with the biographical context in mind. So I don't know that it, maybe the word limiting is, is appropriate there because it does, it does narrow the confines of what I'm looking for in the work as I'm also engaging the biographical material to put it in place so that I can communicate to the audience effectively about where the artist was as they were working on a given piece. Yeah, no, I think, I think, Yeah. yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I think, there is, um, I think where I saw the most, maybe this is a, a sort of inverse way to talk about this question, where I saw the most um, impact on my reading by the biographical research was probably the Franz Kafka episode, where really digging into his life opened up a whole new layer of understanding that work. I really started to understand, I I had kind of known about his life somewhat, but I really started to understand the anxiety and the paranoia and where he was poised in history and how that informed the work. you know, coming to find out that basically all of his, he, he died before World War II, but coming to find out that basically all of his family was killed in World War II, you know, was persecuted Oof. by the Nazis. Like, mm-hmm. and, and sort of the, the way, once you know that, you can almost feel that in the work somehow. It's sort of like, and maybe obviously I'm reading that into it, but like just knowing all that biographical, it, to me, it, add, it adds to it in a certain way. And when you go deep enough on the biographical stuff, and I think we do this, I think we do go deep enough to do this, you start to relate to that artist as an actual human being. Like you start to, you start to feel what they're like and you start to add that to the work. And to me, it just adds to it. It doesn't really, I don't feel like it takes anything away from the work necessarily. Yeah, I would in a funny way encourage people to, to read about the person that they're reading yeah. if they become interested in the work. It, it yeah. is edifying. Mm-hmm. A lot of people won't even read the fiction. They just read biographies and right. they read about people. And I find right. that bizarre. Well, so in a way, it's it's very, very strange. I've read more biographies in the last year than in my entire life combined. Oh, and can we say, <laughs> I, think the, I think most of the biographies that we've used are pretty good, but boy, yeah. there is a lot of junk out there. There is, yeah. So yeah. There is a bit of a an art to finding the right constellation of books to use yes. and material to use uh, about, uh, you know, when, when you're working on a, 
a given artist. Yeah. I really enjoyed how much um, YouTube material there was about Tennessee Williams and about cool. Brando, that era of of theater artist, how much stuff on YouTube there is and yeah. what a strange experience it is to turn on a talk show from the mid 70s. Just odd. We live in a different, we're in a foreign country uh, now. It's oh yeah. Well, well, this is this is another thing about I guess doing the show is like it's really easy to fall into the trap of like the social media is you know rotting our brains and that might be true, but the doing this show having the internet at your fingertips there is nothing quite like getting into prep and like I'm watching a YouTube video I'm reading a book and I'm reading some obscure interview that you know who knows how few other people have actually read because I just stumbled across it on the you know deep in the annals of the internet like the 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 amount of information you can just get dumped into your head and even the books when I buy a book I'm you know you think about that I'm buying like a used copy of a book from that's out of print you know it, it's it's amazing how easy it is to get your hands on this material the work is kind of pulling that material into into a coherent narrative but yeah you th there is a quality of being a bit of a detective here even though we're, again we're not doing the original historical right. research we're, we're not interviewing family i don't think we yeah. would ever want to i, I that's not no. really the the mo of the show although we have had guests come on who are are scholars of uh, yeah the, that's uh, more than one Right, right. Elizabeth Foley O'Connor was was a, has written the kind of definitive biography on Pamela Coleman Smith, the great tarot illustrator, and, and much else besides. We um we have to get it scheduled, but I believe we're going to have uh, Carl Rale Carl Rollison on, who wrote a biography of Faulkner and and several other uh, figures from that era. Um, so that'll be interesting. Um, just kind of see how they think about it. See, see how that goes. And who knows, Kevin, maybe, maybe one day I will write a biography of somebody, you know, maybe one who day I'll you? write the MF doom biography. It doesn't exist. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It's not, that's not the worst idea. Actually, that would, there you go. You're building yourself a platform. Publishers, <laughs> right. find right. Brad Kelly, yeah. Brad Kelly-esque. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. At Brad Kelly on Twitter, on at Twitter. art of dark pod. Everything is at art of dark pod. Yeah. And yeah. Do we have any other questions? Did you get a couple? Did oh, you get a yeah. So, um, oh, I did have one. This is a little bit unrelated, but I think it might be interesting. Um, <clears throat> um, talk about, could you talk about your favorite, and um, this is from Ray, Ray Chaney in the Telegram. Uh, talk about favorite books or music or films from the last year. Not necessarily something that came out in 2021, but something you discovered in the last year. It's not fair to say that I discovered it in the, in the last year, but when I enjoy yeah. something, I tend to watch it many, many times. Yeah. Every time I watch The Witch, it the gets witch good. better. The yeah. Witch gets better and better. It's quite good. It's almost an unbelievably good film. Mm -hmm. it is really I, good. Where it's so, it's so compact, it's so small, it's so creepy. Mm -hmm. the, the conclusion is so over-the-top frightening. Mm -hmm. I, I want to put it on right now and their, their dedication to the accents. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah. So the, the witch and, and that's kind of old. I'll think a little more about yeah. uh, something I've discovered this year that I've really enjoyed, but yeah, yeah. the witch, if you've not seen it, watch good. it. Yeah. It's um, very cool. Uh, an author that I'd known about, but never read and started to read this year. Um, uh, is it Gerard or Gerald? I think it's Gerald Murnane. He's an Australian writer um, who wrote a great book called The Plains. Um, 
which is one of my strongest recommendations. It's 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 Kafka S. Okay. Yeah, the planes. It sounds kind of it sounds kind like of like airplanes or no P L A I N S. Yeah, it's okay. about the Australian. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a sort of a fictional. God, I don't even want to call it fictional. It's beyond that. It's like this speculative dream logic version of Australia. And the main character is a filmmaker who goes into the planes, into the interior to try and shoot a film about it. Um, and, and it's different than the planes actually are. There's, there's, there's a different philosophy at work. There's a different history. There's a different sort of perspective on things. And he spends the rest of his life trying to make this film. And that doesn't do it justice. It's, it's kind of incredible. Mm-hmm. He's talking about world building and like the fantasy realm. And mm-hmm. Murnane puts all of them to shame, in my opinion, in like 150 pages. He creates great. It's, it's quite good. And um, I've, got a, I've got his last book, which is a, as opposed to The Plains being a, a very short book, this book is kind of a doorstopper. I think it's called A Season on Earth. Um, I'm very much looking forward to, to reading that. When I'm, you know, great knee deep in art of darkness research. Yes. <laughs> we have our own bi-weekly movie night that the oh, yeah. fellas and I do. And it it's a lot of fun. We we rewatched uh, The Bridge Over the River Kwai. I've on never my seen friends. that. Are you okay? You have to put that to, <laughs> on that on your okay. list. Okay, it I will. Imminently watchable. It is heroic. It, it, it gives you so much insight into the character of the eternal Anglo, mm. colonialism, all of it, Alec Guinness, uh, that film. And it's the structure, it's, it's the perfect structure. I think they talk hmm. about it in screenwriting books. Okay. It's, it's just so entirely satisfying. And to watch it on my friend's projector, uh, with, and he's got his nine channel surround sound or whatever it is that was a lot an awful lot of fun very cool yeah very and it's so cool you can go back and go watch that go watch the witch and then watch that don't don't watch something new that hasn't stood the test of time yeah you know go at least like mix in that old stuff if you can because wow i mean they haven't they haven't made a better movie than that Right. The only film that was came out in 2021 that stands out to me, and I, I could be missing something, but the only film that stands out is Dune. Dune was something else. Dune it was, was a banger. Yeah, it was a great... Uh, they did it. They did it. It could have been better, obviously. There's all kinds of, you know, could have done this, could have done that. It should have had the banquet scene or whatever. But, man, I nobody... No other attempt would have been that as good as that. I think that's the best of all possible. They don't need to remake Dune for another 50 years until right. there's some new metaverse immersive. Yeah, until they can like make you hallucinate um, mm. via, via bits. And, well, you know, <laughs> they already can. You just, most normies are not prepared for that. Right, 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 that right, is, right. that is still my biggest gripe about that movie is that it yeah. does not, it's not psychedelic enough. I think that's, uh, I think that's fair, but, but, but that was quite an experience. Um, and, and your Frank Herbert episode got a lot of great feedback. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. That was, I an, enjoyed it. that was an exciting one. That was another one that, that I guess you talk about, you know, sort of, um, what influenced your creative processes? Frank Herbert's just like, he just did it. He just did it and he did it and he did it and he did it. And then he had a bunch of success and he did and it. Then he, like, and then he drove around in a hearse in Mexico right, with his family. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. He what a character. Just, 
he was a character, but he was like, he was never going to, it was never going to stop ever. Mm. Right. And, and, and it was, a, it was like a religion to him. And, and that yes. I admired and have tried to incorporate that somewhat mm. into my practices, you know? Yeah, that's very wise. Because again, yeah. I'm writing my, my new play about the, mm -hmm. the guy who has his private jet. <laughs> I'm only I'm only sort of kidding. My new right. play is not going to be about that, but you do have to be careful as an artist because whether you're at, you're at all talented at it, you mm -hmm. are getting into a feedback loop with your own mind. With oh yeah, stuff. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. and uh, that does have the ability to shape reality yeah. in yeah. as much as our minds sort of do. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you. I'll give you a little bit of personal on this. So. Well, I have a day job and uh, part of my day job is sometimes I have to go into a sewer um, and the experience of going into a sewer is so disorienting and so strange and when I tell people in person about it they seem so their kind of eyes like you can tell when you're when you're telling something talking about something that somebody's interested in or not people be like you know how was your day and I'm like oh I walked two miles in a sewer and they kind of look at you like wait what so I've kind of dug this into guy? That. what's going on here. <laughs> right. So I kind of dug into that in, in my current work in progress novel. Um, parts of it happen in a sewer. And now when I go into a sewer for work, I'm excited because I'm it's like I'm doing research for my writing project. But then you're like you talk about the feedback. Now, am I going to end up wanting to go in there more you know what i mean like, <laughs> yeah maybe it's not the best thing right. it's like the burrows loop yeah, you exactly. now you've shot your wife right, right now you're you're doing more heroin aren't you right yeah yeah, yeah. Hmm. so so i think i don't you, need i don't hmm. think I, I think i've done all the research i need i don't think i need to go into a sewer again but there's another bit of media that i've encountered and it's this uh far out uh conspiracy researcher named mm. Michael Hoffman who Ooh. has written a couple of books and uh, that down. <laughs> his, his, oh bro oh don't even it's, it's oh Michael, this is the one you sent me a link to this guy I Michael think. A uh, Hoffman he was on, second he was on mm -hmm. guns and butter I believe he that sounds right I yeah. didn't listen to that episode but or wait no I did I think that was the one that got me into it and uh, it, was, it was my my pal Nathan Hansen on Twitter sent me a link um, the uh it is, so there's, there's a new book, which is called Twilight Language, and then there's an older book called Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare. Oof. And it, I don't agree with every single thing in these books. I'm not prescribing this guy, but he's such an interesting author if you're at all curious about contemporary discourse on paranoid fringe conspiracy reality and... Uh, twilight language or neuro-linguistic programming mm. at scale, which I think we've just been under the, th the thrall of, and we continue to be under the thrall of in a really serious way. The thing that most fascinated me about the interview that I heard and then these books is that it seems to be really crystal clear that David Lynch is aware of all of this stuff and was talking about it, especially in Twin Peaks. Um, I'm a huge Twin yeah. Peaks fan. And the, and the third season of Twin Peaks, this will be the final thing I say. Uh, if, you, if you watch the, the third season of Twin Peaks, not on its own, you need to watch the original, of course, and Fire Walk With Me and all of that. But then if you go watch the third season of Twin Peaks and then pick up a copy of 
Twilight language, you can see that I don't know how David Lynch is into this stuff. It's probably he just reads it too, and, he's, and he thinks about yeah. it, and he's probably an old-timer who's listened to a lot of AM radio back in the day. Right. <laughs> it's, it's all there, but it's mm-hmm. never stated. It's always hinted at as a mystery at the edge of the American experience, and I think that is some of the most fascinating uh, cinema that's been made, Twin Peaks mm-hmm. and then the new yeah. season. Oh, yeah qualifies as very high grade stuff. And um, I'm personally, I've been interested in the, in the conspiracy stuff for a long time. So, Oh yeah. Uh, that's I mean, you know, that's, yeah, that's, that's a neighborhood I tread myself. <laughs> and yeah, it would be interesting is, is there a, this is a good question. Is there a figure who would be ripe for art of darkness as a subject who fits into that best? Well, wouldn't is, is art bell still around or did he pass? Art, art bell is, is, is dead. Art so Bell would be an Art Bell episode. Big Air. There are others that are even more hardcore. Yeah. But I bet yeah. I bet an Art Bell episode would be a lot of would fun. Would be would be cool. Yeah, yeah. There's because everybody knows him, but I don't think anybody really knows much about his actual life. You know, his his mm-hmm. sort of. Day-to-day. I wonder how much we could find. It might be a really thin it, episode. It might be. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we might have to think about that. Who is because this is an area that I'm interested in as well. And and obviously, I I hope we never we never have the. I don't want to ever do a David Lynch episode, but you know, when that time comes. We'll That's another it. thought that I had. And by the way, we do not ambulance chase in this yeah. podcast. If somebody yeah. passes away, we always wait a year and a day, yeah. partly to let it sink in. And, but I was thinking about this recently. Like I was talking with a new friend of mine about Vanner Herzog and mm-hmm. what a, what a hero he is to me yeah. and how I, I, I don't look forward to any of that. No. Uh, losing fellows like that is, um, well, let's just not even get into it. Yeah. But I know yeah. you were affected by you were affected by MF Doom. Yeah, I was. I was. And 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 you know, um the one episode we didn't mention we'll probably do this year is Norm MacDonald. Um Norm MacDonald dying screwed me up, man. Um I don't like to pile superlatives on people, but he was probably my favorite stand up comedian. I mean, he was probably Norm MacDonald was my YouTube search when I wasn't having a good day. You know what I mean? Very, and very, very funny dude. Yeah. And then he just kind of, he's gone and it's not easy, you know? And it's not the same as losing yeah. a family member, whatever. I get it. And I'm not crying about it, but it bummed me out, man. It was hard. I think, was we, hard have to, I think we have to mark the calendar and have Blake Hammond come back. Yeah, yeah do we do. Norm. Yeah, I think we might even have that in the calendar already. We might. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> might. That's definitely one we got to do. So that'll be in you know September, October, that, that kind of time frame. Yeah, that was a bummer. And it, it bummed Norm going, bummed all the right people out on Twitter. You knew you were, you kind of had a real one on your hands if they were really getting yeah. torn up about Norm. Yeah, 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 I agree. I agree. He was, he, he was, he was the real deal for sure. Well, yeah. do we have any more questions, uh, questions, Brad? Uh, I think that was kind of it. All right. Um, well, I, yeah. thank you for those questions. And we really, truly yeah. want to hear your feedback. We especially want to hear your feedback if you support us on Patreon. If, yeah. you, if you don't, uh, we'll, still, <laughs> we'll still listen to you, but maybe not as closely. You. I'm yeah. kidding. Uh, yeah. But, we, you know, again, we started the Telegram channel. I think that's uh, t.me slash artofdarkpod. Yeah. You know, we got 20, 30 people in there right now. We want to grow that, make that, make that bigger over time. We just started it and um you know we've got our our website you can find us and uh i think on the on the after dark episode we're going to talk about uh the the burroughs lovecraft connection yeah 
And we're going to talk about maybe some more episodes that we want to do this coming year. We'll kind of yeah, maybe maybe around. some that that aren't is we've got some of these actually scheduled and booked. Maybe we'll talk. We'll kind of speculate a little bit on some other ones we're thinking of. Yeah, I think that yeah. sounds like a lot of fun. Well, yeah. Brad, I've really enjoyed doing this 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 first year with you. Oh, it was and, great. Yeah, oh, it, it really it, is. It's, I, it's a fun I, project. Let's take a moment and think. Yeah, we've had we've got supporters mm-hmm. on Patreon, and we really, we really, really appreciate it. We're going to keep trying to get you know keep trying to crank out bonus content that makes it worth it, and we really appreciate that support. Absolutely, but also, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, go the ahead. Guests that we've say, had we've, on the guests and the and the people where I was going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've made some we've made some like real friends. It's been cool. This has been one of the yeah. cool parts that I kind of. I kind of didn't expect that like hmm. I would go from kind of engaging with somebody on Twitter to hey that guy's my friend. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> so we've pals. had great guests. Yeah, yeah. Blower guys, Aldous Estherian, uh, yes, the great Blower guys who, um, who yeah. uh, came on to do Disney with us which was so much fun. Disney was quite an episode. Yeah. Yeah, and that was Too that big. was one so big. I felt like we took a left turn and it went great. <laughs> um, just a left turn in that it was we were getting into CIA stuff and, and kind of going into territory that I think you and I both always kind of want to get into, but it's not yes. always it doesn't always make sense for the well, and we can matter. we can navigate the show in all sorts of strange ways, and uh, mm-hmm. this is something that that I uh, I do need to make clear when it is time for us to kill this show many many years from now mm-hmm. after we've had the. Uh, the Art of Darkness get together, the national mm-hmm. tour, the meetups, <laughs> yeah. the yeah. groupies, the tote bags, <laughs> all of it, Brad. When we when we finally do the Hitler episode, that's the end. That's it. No, that's how we go out. You go out in the <laughs> yeah. Hitler episode. Yeah, yeah and everything think, leads to Hitler. I think we talked about this one time, and 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 not to hold us to it, but I always thought that in I've always always for the last year. I've thought that an interesting way to do Hitler is do Hitler right up until he becomes chancellor of Germany and then walk away from it. Right. And then just play a little bit of audio of him screaming at a microphone <laughs> right? and never do another <laughs> episode <laughs> again. <Yep. Ever>. <laughs> <laughs> so, but this yep. is good for people who are listening. If we've not released the Hitler episode, we're still going. There's yeah. more art of darkness to come. You'll know, <laughs> and and God willing, we will. Uh, Putin will not nuke Ukraine next week, and mm. we will be back with more. I think we got a few more minutes, so we can do the after dark episode now. But Brad, thanks yeah. for doing this for this recap with me. This is a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, this is great. This is great. Yeah, and I didn't have right. to do you know hours and hours of research for this, so this was sure. a pleasure. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah, and and the and, research is again, fun too. But yeah, again, thinking about Hitler and and the arts uh, in America and sort of in the West, and support your artists. Yeah, because bad things can happen. I mean, that's not a threat. So hold on, hold on. Let me... <laughs> no, it's not a threat. It <laughs> was a saying, bit of you, a joke. Yeah, you should. You should yeah. support your support. Everything your is not Hitler. That's sort of the joke that I'm making yeah. here. But yeah. I, I, I am really deadly serious. If it ever does become time to retire the show, that will be the that's, final. That's episode. how we go out. Yeah, because blaze, it, of, it, blaze of glory. Or just blaze of Not darkness. a blaze of glory. It's just a blaze of... Uh, uh, you can't do anything to us. We'll release once it. I, we once I'm away. done, yeah, right. You release yeah. it and you kill the show. And yeah, you're gone. Yeah, we're all, we canceled ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> we're not. We are going to get into artists whom we don't admire. Don't mistake yeah. me. Oh, this is not. William, uh, yeah, William S. Burroughs, we started, was a piece 
he yeah, was, uh, he he was, was a, a terrible human being. Yeah, so, and Brando was a piece. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. So yeah. th- let's make it entirely clear. Just because we cover a subject doesn't mean we, uh, yeah. Yeah, we prescribe them by, right. by any right. means. Right, right. Stalin, that could be fun. We could do, a, we could do kind of a, a one-two. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, this, okay. is, uh, this is Art of Darkness, artofdarkpod.com, patreon.com slash artofdarkpod. If you subscribe there, you'll get an extra 20, 30 minutes of this uh, this nonsense yeah we'll roll right in we're gonna roll right into it all right thank you later